Welcome back to the Obliquity Podcast. This is your host, JP, and uh, this is May the 19th, 2021, podcast number seven, and the title of our program today is going to be The Pendulum Shift. That is The Pendulum Shift, and um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Our number of listeners has increased, and uh, I'm grateful for that. Um, You have... uh, you found something interesting, if you have found something interesting, would like to comment, uh, ask a question, or, uh, hey, even complain, um, you can email us at obliquity91 at gmail.com. That's O-B-L-I-Q-U-I-T-Y-9-1 at gmail.com. If you are so inclined and would like to find interesting reading material, I have a uh, Obliquity magazine, which is on Flipboard, and the Obliquity magazine is uh, just a collection of articles that I find interesting, either relevant to the past uh, one episode or to the upcoming episode, and uh, you can be able to make comments on there as well. But um, if you really want to be able to get in touch with me, it is obliquity91 at gmail.com. And uh, hopefully in the future, we'll have some YouTube stuff going. But at this point, that's still all uh, in German, in germinating states in, in my mind. And uh, we'll go on from there. But I do want to thank you for staying, for tuning in today. And uh, we're going to have a few things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Russia and China in the news. A lot about Russia and China in the news. And I think that is um, potentially something that uh, we're going to need to keep aware of. Um, what's going on, and um, then we are going to talk about the DeSantis anti-riot law in Florida, which I think is going to be a disaster, and then we have a bunch of unrelated um, news blips uh, that we're going to just talk about briefly for just a minute or two on each one of these items, got about four or five items, and uh, we are, um, you know, the truth is uh, the news has been on fire uh, for the last few days, and um, just so many things that I'd like to comment or that related to something here, but I, we're just, it's impossible to connect all the dots. Um, I had intended to get an episode out on Sunday. Today is Wednesday. Uh, I had intended to get an episode out on Sunday, but uh, I recorded my intro and I went to record the other two se- sessions. And it, uh, my microphone was not plugged all the way in, so it recorded the sound of silence. So I had a 48-minute episode, and the first couple of minutes were the introduction. And sadly, I had to redo that. So when I have, to, when I got time today, uh, I'm redoing the episodes. So I've already run through this stuff once, maybe distilled some of my thoughts down even further. And uh, but we'll get into it. Stay with us. All right, so we'll get into the meat of the show today. We, um, like I said, this is uh, part, this is uh, act, uh, this is the, we had a dress rehearsal on Sunday, and uh, today is finally the episode I'm trying to get out, get recorded. So we're going to have a couple of sections here, and mainly I just want to make sure that I don't run through a whole show without... Uh, recording and then have to record it all over again anyway. So I'm going to do this first section and um, we'll have a break 
check my mics, make sure everything's recording, and then move on from there. But a lot of things have happened in the news over the last couple of weeks and uh, since our last episode, a month, month and a half ago. And uh, we see a lot of Russia and uh, Russia and China in the news. I, you know, look on YouTube and, uh, you know, there'll be stuff from, you know, RT. Um, and I'm still checking out to see how uh, good RT is as a news source. I have uh, another, you know, so I see a lot of stuff on RT about Russia and about uh, China even. I'll see the South China Morning Post. And, um, and you know, it's, it's kind of uncanny that we have a lot of news all of a sudden from these two places. And maybe it's not been all of a sudden, but at least I've noticed it. That is, honestly, it is on the level of almost propaganda. And um, they talk about China and the stories are little heartwarming stories that are supposed to make you feel compassionate about the People's Republic of China. I guess I'm not exactly sure what the intent is, uh, but that does seem to be what's coming across. And, you know, honestly, I um, it's a little disconcerting because, you know, it was raised during over the la in the last presidency, the presidency uh, presidential term uh, under Trump and others that uh, there were people influencing the elections. And, you know, I will say and this is going to be a comment that I'm going to have said um you know, everybody wants to rise up and they want to, you know, they say, OK, Trump, uh, Russia interfered with the presidency and, uh, you know, with with the elections. And especially when it was against some when it elected someone that they didn't like, they didn't like Trump, the left, the Democrats didn't like Trump. And so they blew a stink about the possible meddling or then they tried to blow it off and say, well, you know, that's just fake news. They're just this is a hoax. He's just trying to, you know, pass the buck or whatever. And quite honestly, I find it just as despicable to do that as what I found uh, the guy who is uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. And, you know, he I heard an interview with him. I think it was on uh, uh, Fresh Air on NPR that. He said he needed to influence the election, and so that's why he made his uh, his uh, new Borat movie. And uh, quite honestly, you know, I, I think Sasha Baron Cohen is a very intelligent guy, and uh, but he's clearly wearing his uh, political feelings, uh, political ideas, and political things on his sleeve. And you know, I don't have a problem with that so much if people would call it out for what it is, and that is doing the same thing that other people are claiming Russia and China are doing. So I do find an inconsistency in the news media about these things. But um, as we get back into the, uh, as we look back here with the Russia and China, I find a lot of news, and it looks propaganda to me, like propaganda, like, oh, we want you to have this compassion. And I realize, you know, there's a lot of uh, ill feelings towards by some groups uh, around the world because they're calling, you know, the coronavirus, the Chinese virus, and they're calling, you know, there's hate group, hate going out to these people. And, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, uh, it, it can be used as a banner to to highlight certain things, just like the George Floyd incident was a banner to, to highlight, you know, uh, issues against blacks in the United States and uh, not a problem bringing that attention and awareness up to the level, but it needs to be at a, at a reasonable level and not on a level where we are trying to pit 
uh, I ethnic groups against ethnic groups, or uh, what's essentially happening is there is a uh, a dichotomy big being made, and it's POCs, people of color, which apparently includes a lot of different skin tones, uh, against what is purportedly to be called whites. And the reason why I say that is because the fact is whites aren't really whites. Uh, they're more pink, uh, if you want to. And maybe that's just <laughs> maybe that's just a, a funny way to think about it. But um, the fact is that we have a lot of issues in the United States. Uh, and the thing is, anybody who 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 says that these things don't exist uh, elsewhere or outside of the United States uh, frankly, hasn't had much experience uh, internationally. Racism occurs in every country. I mean, we see these issues in China with the Uyghurs. We see this in, um, you know, even blacks going to China, even whites from the United States going to China are, are discriminated against. You find it all over. Matter of fact, you'll find it uh, black on black racism in other parts of the world. And it's uh, it's quite despicable. But the fact is, we're seeing a lot of Russia and China in the news, and uh, we even see the, the 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 China with their conflict against uh, the Philippines. And you know, I'm proud of um, I'm proud of the president of the Philipp uh, of the Philippines. I believe his name is Duarte. He is standing up against the nonsense of China and their bullying, and they essentially are a, a, a bully. They are a bully in the uh, in the in the Asia in uh, in Asia and are trying to expand their country, even though they have plenty of natural resources, plenty of land uh, in their own country, and yet they're trying to expand into other areas, particularly sea areas. And, I, and I'm not sure there's reasons for that. But um, I find that uh, to be a, quite a disturbing trend amongst the Chinese. And then obviously we see with Russia, you know, they've had conflicts for many, many years, um, conflicts with the uh, in Crimea, conflicts against the Ukrainians, Chechenians, and uh, and there's no end. And, 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 you know, the thing is, it's like, I get you want to keep a country together. The fact is, none of those countries were ever one country uh, up until, you know, up until around World War II. And, um, and then, you know, the United States, or the Russia, you know, they divvied up uh, between Britain, uh, the United States, and um and uh, and Russia, they divvied up a bunch of land and Russia never gave freedom to those people that uh, they they got control of after World War Two. And so, you know, it's one of those interesting things where you can clearly see the the uh, the intent of the of the Russians uh, in wanting to maintain control of their uh, of their possessions and, and not give liberty. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest things uh, people can have is freedom, freedom from oppression, freedom from just uh, n not being harassed by a foreign entity. You know, I'm so glad that the United States is finally getting out of Afghanistan. Uh, I know a lot of people, uh, particularly on the right, are saying, oh, no, we still need to be there. We never should have been there in the first place. Um, I understand you want to protect your country against against uh, against a Muslim terrorist, but you probably don't have to invade a country in order to do that. Um, you know, they would be attacking the United States and, you know, maybe we need to help some other countries fight some things, but we didn't need to go in and invade a country and, 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 and occupy a country for, you know, nearly 20 years, 
uh, in the aftermath, and I know that's not a, something that is necessarily popular uh, uh, among some groups, very popular with other groups. I'm not trying to uh, win, win any brownie points with either side. I'm just stating an obvious fact that we should never have been involved in the war in Afghanistan. We could have successfully and quite a lot cheaply, no, a lot cheaper uh, defended our shores in the United States. And I realize, you know, we have, we have water, a lot of water between us and a lot of other countries. And our only we our major weaknesses would be uh, North in Canada and, uh, and South with Mexico. And so those are our major weaknesses. But, you know, the fact is that uh, by and large, we can defend ourselves on our home territory without spending the billions and trillions of dollars that we have over the last 20 years uh, in defending ourselves abroad and causing a lot of unnecessary deaths, American deaths, uh, American deaths and the you know hazards on other people, whether it was collateral uh, damage or not, that that uh, these people would, would not have experienced that had there been no conflict. Maybe they would have experienced it anyway, but from the Taliban or whatever other group uh, was trying to stand up for power. But uh, needless to say, I'm glad we're, we're out of there, but this shows the tyranny of uh, a government. You know, I'm going to be writing, uh, hopefully soon, uh, an article on the important, on the role of government biblically. And the role of government is fundamentally for the punishment of evildoers. That is, there is no other purpose for the government other than keeping peace in a country and not by force, but uh, keeping a peace through proper laws uh, that are not so convoluted and complex and difficult to administer or to obey. And it was just a simple, uh, simple things to keep people uh, living harmoniously together. Uh, we don't find that uh, today uh, in the and in, in in many countries. I mean, there is there is peace and uh, there is there there are there, there is uh, there is peace and there is uh, stability. Uh, and in in countries like the Democrat, like a uh, you know like the United States uh, that have democratic republics that are intended for these purposes. Um, you know, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson who said that the only that only immoral people that only immoral people um, can can have freedom. Uh, and the reason for that is because moral, uh, free, moral people are self-restraining. Uh, freedom essentially comes because of self-restraint. You know, for example, you think about it on a very basic level. If a person is willing to self-restrain and study hard, they restrain themselves from doing any other activity that would distract them from one goal. Uh, we see this with athletes who practice and who put time in to uh, increase their skills and dexterity in a, at a sport or a musician. Uh, you name it, they are self-restraining from allowing themselves to experience or do other things that don't help them achieve a goal. And when it comes to immoral people, we need, uh, that's the only way a government, a country can be governed with freedom is because the people are self-restraining where they respect others. And when you don't find that, and I've seen it in other countries, when you don't find, when you, when you don't see that type of self-restraint, there is tyranny in the government because the government has to by force and hard hard uh hard force control the people and secondly um they they don't respect uh each other individually um and maybe one of these days I'll have I'll talk about uh some of these things but 
In terms of the news with Russia, we see them, Russia's Arctic Sea Route draws a, a growing global investor interest, the foreign ministry says. And so they've opened up a northern sea route, hoping to, I think, cash in on uh, the $500,000 toll passage uh, through the Suez Canal, but taking people uh, on a shorter route from Asia to Europe, to Western Europe, and even possibly to the United States. And um, and so they've opened it up. But what is also interesting is there was another report that um, by RT that was talking about the um, how Russia also is um, has uh, natural gas reserves that they are tapping up in that northern part. So it would make their um, costs for you know keeping the ice broken so it can get back and forth so they can get back into back to the mainland uh to processing plants it would cut their costs by having people pay shipping tolls through the area number 1 number 2 um then they can cash in on those oil re- on those uh, natural gas reserves and thereby being able to uh try to up their um visibility and their stature in the international community so uh Recently, and this is a is April seventeenth, twenty twenty one article that uh, by RT that says Russia continues slashing foreign debt and cuts it by eight point six billion since the start of the year, and that's this year, twenty twenty one. You know they're they're basically eliminating their liabilities, um, their 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 liabilities, both domestic and foreign. So they're they're getting debt back from other countries, but they're also removing those uh, people who are foreign investors in Russia themselves, trying to get them out, which is no surprise. Russia has done this before with national uh, nationalizing things, and they're trying to cut their debt. And uh, and why is that? Well, not real sure, um, and I hope to suss that out uh, soon. But um, these are some, uh, I think, some very dangerous trends, and uh, especially to the United States, safety and security of the United States, uh, because we don't want Russia rising up uh, to the point where they can start gaining any sort of power uh, over the United States or uh, over anything like that. So, you know, these are just some things that I think are important to look at, and uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the Russia uh, rising up. They were also recently questioning this issue of Western messaging about uh, rules-based international order designed to undermine the UN and circumvent international law. And the Russian foreign minister, his name is uh, Lavrov, Sergei Lavrov, he says, well, you know, the United States and a lot of these uh, other countries, they're basically unilaterally making their own decisions and not consulting the United Nations and so forth. And so it's hurting a lot of, it's hurting a lot of it's hurting a lot of countries. Mainly, he's you know he's implying that it's hurting Russia doing what they want to do, and you know Russia has never been uh, a good um, has never been uh, had a good record of uh, human rights. Neither has China, and so we have all these problems and issues wrapped up into this. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens here uh, over the next uh, over the next little bit, and uh, and so forth. So we'll take a short break. We'll get back to the second part of uh, of the show, which is dealing with uh, DeSantis's anti-riot law in Florida. All righty. Well, welcome back. We are in the mobile studio again, and uh, this week we are in the mobile studio, and... Um, we're going to talk about the DeSantis anti-riot law. You know, the um, New York Post 
had a article. Um, I'll look here and find out when it was, April 20th. So it's been about a month ago. And um, it says the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, signs a controversial anti-riot bill. Now, I think this is a, a dangerous, a dangerous thing. And um, I'll get into why in just a minute. But I want to explain just a bit about what this anti-riot law does. It says that the law grants civil immunity for people who drive through demonstrators blocking a road. Okay, so this is one of the issues that people were demonstrating and people were driving through and hitting people. First of all, peaceful demonstrators uh, generally are not going to be in the road and shouldn't be in the road blocking traffic. Um, I believe that if they are blocking traffic, that they should either be arrested or uh, if people are in fear of their life and have to get through them, then it's this idea of self-defense. Now, yes, I, I think it's tenuous. I think it's a, it's a very, very uh, fine line to deal with here. Um, and so, yeah, I'm compassionate for the demonstrators, but if they're being violent and they are threatening people, you better believe that uh, I am going to defend myself to the nth degree. Um, you know, obviously, if I can drive around them, I would probably do that. But if I am in the midst and I got crowded around, uh, I'm going to have to drive out of that. And I think it's dangerous um, for people. I mean, I, I generally don't go in areas where there's riots anyway. But uh, if I were to get in a situation, I, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to protect whoever's with me and, uh, and use my car as a weapon. Why not? It's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous for a group of people to be bullying and harassing others when they are trying to demonstrate if they are so-called peaceful demonstrators. Now, so this is the one thing that it does. And uh, I think that's a problem at problem because we already have laws that deal with people uh, hitting people with cars. And so, you know, if, if it go through a court case and you can demonstrate that you were doing this because of uh, for fear of your life and you were running uh, through a crowd of people uh, because they were harassing you or whatever, then I, there are laws that would genuinely protect you. Um, but there was also some other things in the bill that, you know, according to the... Um, According to the writer, which is Amanda, let me see here, her name, Amanda Woods, she says that the controversial law, it says it grants, okay, so it grants immunity, um, but that it also, the bill also enhances penalties for crimes committed during riots or violent protests in the Sunshine State, so Florida. It also permits authorities to hold arrested protesters until their first court appearances, and will establish new felonies for taking part in or organizing violent demonstrations. We have a huge problem here. And we already have laws that deal with criminal activity, with these kinds of things. Now, they want to take it even more and gain more control, more power. You know, Rick DeSantis is a, is a Republican. And I think this law is absolutely detestable. Um, it said it also strips local governments of the civil liability protections if they interfere with law enforcement's efforts to respond to a violent protest. 
It also adds language to state law that could force local governments to justify a reduction in law enforcement budgets. And so what you have here is you no longer have a government of the people, by the people, for the people, but you have a local government that is now as an overlord. The state now is becoming more powerful than the county. And, and this is never a matter of who's more powerful, but about, it's about a balance of power. And the local, the local communities, they need to have the freedom to be able to do what they do. You know, as much as I would disagree with what happened in Portland uh, last year with the the Chaz, uh, the 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 um, the uh, the zone that was set up for the anarchists to have their own zone free from police and free from government oversight, um, as much as I disagree with with all of that having happened, uh, I think people saw what a disaster it was. Uh, you know. I don't know if anybody remembers seeing there's a movie. So I think, I think it's, uh, Oh, what is it? Kurt Russell. Um, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Kurt Russell, uh, called escape from LA. And there was another one called escape from the, I mean, this is exactly what these types of, you know, protesting, uh, these protesters and these rioters, uh, represent is sort of this post-apocalyptic anarchy that, um, (laughs) We're trying to we're trying to leave in the past if that was present. Um, we're trying to become more stable, more civilized, more compassionate, more loving, more more you know just have more freedom. Um, and it requires self restraint. And the problem is that these some of these people they don't understand what self restraint is. So with this law, you know. We already have we already have laws about you know damaging property. People by doing this kinds of things enhances the penalties. In some ways, they're kind of violating the Constitution, which talks about being able to petition the government and protest and do it in a peaceful way. And there's a process. You know, we have a couple of ways that we can uh, make our voices heard in the United States. Number one, we have uh, the ballot box. And that is an essential uh, tool that we have. We have the ballot box. Uh, the second one is our ability to petition government, whether that is through uh, formal requests through our representatives or whether that is through um, an issue of a peaceful demonstration, being able to get up and make our voices heard and you know, open letters and those kinds of things. Uh, I think the, 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 the long shot uh, the last thing that um, is available to us really does go into an act of violence. And I think we saw that in 1776, around the 1776, when the, United, when the British colonies claimed their independence through the Declaration of Independence from the British crown. Um, they all committed acts of treason. And they did so because they had a vision of establishing something based upon natural law rights. Um, and obviously the, the United States, I, I firmly believe, is a product, it's a child of the Enlightenment. It was this idea that we're all created in, so there's a, there, is, there is some belief there. Obviously they use reason. We have Thomas Paine's common sense. Uh, we have, um, 
you know, these, these writings that were done to demonstrate like, look, we have rights as people. These are natural rights. These rights were not given to us by a government. They are uh, what comes naturally, but they were taken from us by a government. And so we are just asserted, reasserting, and they put that in there for everybody. And has it always been perfectly, uh, perfectly meted out in our society? Absolutely not. Uh, people ultimately are a product of their generations. And as, 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 as horrible as that, um, as, as things might have happened, um, you know, we can't make excuses for it. Absolutely not. But we can at least understand where they were coming from. Um, but, you know, the thing is, you know, even uh, Martin Luther King in his 1964 speech at Stanford, he said that, he said that the riots, riots are the voice of the unheard. And part of the problem is, is that I think, I think there are people who are being unheard. Um, we have a, a, a military police, a paramilitary police type forces. Uh, they are going after, and, and I'm not a big fan of the, the, uh, the, um, the ACLU, they did a report a couple of years ago about the militarization of the police. And, and I think that's despicable. Police are supposed to be, uh, you know, the, the, many places they're called peace officers. But in fact, they don't act as peace officers. They more uh, more often than not, they are acting in a capacity of escalating situations. Um, they are acting in, 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 in out of fear. And if you're so fearful that you're going to die on your job, um, then maybe you should find a different job. Maybe you should find another, another career path. Um, I'm not in favor of defunding the police. I'm not in favor of, uh, of ridiculing the police. Uh, what I am in favor of is cleaning up the police, getting people in there who are not cocky and on a high horse, who have, uh, an ax to grind for whatever reason, because of their, you know, childhood or because of some event that happened or because of some indoctrination training that they received when they were in the military or whatnot. Uh, I, I want police officers that are actually peace officers, peacemakers. They're willing to use force at it absolutely necessary, but uh, they build rapport with the people in the community. Why can't we have that? And I think if we had that, uh, we would have less problems uh, between the civilians, um, um, between the citizen and the peace officers. Um, but this Rick DeSantis law, I think it really steps over the line here. Um, it's almost like uh, President Lincoln's suspension of habeas corpus during the, uh, during the Civil War uh, when he sa says that the authorities can hold protesters until their first court appearances. Well, you know, my understanding is that uh, if you set the bail high enough, that that is possible anyway. Well, the problem is, is this is not a uh, we are no longer a society, a laws based upon guilt, uh, innocent until proven guilty. We are now going to go and cross the board to say, well, you're guilty. Well, this this violates uh, equal protection. Uh, I think it's the 14th Amendment. It violates um, it violates, uh, being able to, um, to just be able to, uh, be treated as, as a citizen. 
rather than a uh, you know anything else. And so I, I have real problems with this. It's almost like a it's like a Rawlsian error. Um, John Rawls, I think it was John Rawls. Um, he had this uh, this concept called the veil of ignorance. And you know what you see in this veil of ignorance is that. When you're writing a law, the, the concept is that you get behind a veil of ignorance where you don't know about your own position in life. You don't know about any of you have to pretend ignorance, you know, and obviously it's impossible or nearly impossible for us to accurately do this. But we can do it to some degree where we can say, OK, what if, you know, it doesn't matter about the people on the other side. They're all they're all people. Some of those are going to be my people, some of them not. OK, but it doesn't matter. We need to have this veil of ignorance. And how would a law be fair to everyone and not uh, unfairly target uh, a particular group of people or a particular gender of people or a particular, you know, people with a particular ideological bent or religious views or you, you name however you your, your classification, uh, your class, your classification parameters. And when you make a law that is just, that is, that is fair to everybody equally, you know, ultimately you are saying these are law-abiding citizens and a law-abiding citizens should want to be, you know, is going to do this, but it's not going to be based upon any specific criteria other than a person who, you know, actually, you know, possibly an anarchist who doesn't want peace for anybody and is going to be problematic, right? So, this particular law, I think, fails a uh, huge, uh, uh, big time with not having this concept of this veil of ignorance and making it fair. Because the thing is, this law, what if, what if Rick DeSantis is no longer in a majority position in his, in, his, in his state and he feels that he needs to riot against something? Now, this is going to come back to bite him in a way that he didn't intend. Because he wrote it to protect himself or his group of people or whatever from other malevolent, so-called malevolent groups. You know, it's sort of like what happened in 1776 again. And uh, when you have people who have to break the law in order to stand up for what is morally high ground rather than for, uh, for uh, continuing to be um, oppressed by a distant monarch. And so I find huge problems with this. I'm sure I could do a better, uh, a better job of, of, uh, of looking over this, but I am, I'm absolutely, um, just not very pleased with, um, with this type of, uh, this type of, um, these types of laws, whether they're from a government, a Republican or a Democrat is irrelevant to me. Um, we need to have more opportunity to be able to express ourselves. I'm not saying go into writing. Um, but when people aren't listening, uh, what is the natural, the natural, the natural next step? Um, at some point, something has to give and either the government has to listen or uh, the government's going to have some sort of bigger problem on their hands. And when people are not listening now, at the same time, I think the United States has made huge steps in the last 50 to 100 years in race relations and in trying to make things fair. Does it, is it going to be perfectly fair? No. We have 320-some million people in the United States. It, nothing is ever going to be absolutely fair in the purest sense. 
uh, because we have so many different ideas and so many different people and so many different uh, you know backgrounds and concepts. It's just it's it's impossible to be absolutely fair, but we do the best we can. And so I think this uh, this law in Florida should be abandoned. I think. Uh, uh, and then thankfully, they are seeing some challenges to it and having some pushback uh, by um, the courts and so forth. So I'm hopeful that um, this will be rectified. You know, one of the things I was watching, uh, was watching an interview, eh, sort of an interview uh, by Penn Gillette, and he was talking about this idea of tolerance. And, um, you know, we need to... This idea of tolerance is a little bit bogus because, you know, the way he was describing it, and I, I think I tend to agree with this idea that, um, you know, when you have tolerant people, they're just willing to put up with your foolishness or they'll just like, oh, well, you know, that's what you think. And, you know, I have my truth and you have your truth. And this just goes moral relativism. It goes into, the, you know, all of this, this baloney. But, um, you know, one of the things he, he was pointing out is the fact that respect is really uh, something that we need to be working for, you know, instead of being tolerant of one and being able to respect so that we can argue so that we can discuss so that we can push back on each other and, and nobody will call you uh, a, a name because you don't, what you said doesn't fit with something that they said, you know, we that's part of the free speech, our ability to be able to communicate, to be able to be, have free speech, to be able to, you know, say what's on our mind and what we're thinking. Uh, maybe the information we have that led us to a conclusion was inaccurate and a discussion, an open dialogue would maybe correct that. But when we shut it down uh, by by this idea of, well, we need to be tolerant. We need to be empathetic to the point where I'm going to identify with you and your hurts. No, I can't be. I can be sympathetic towards you um, because because your experience is not the sum total of knowledge anyway. And, and I know this gets off into some other things, and, and hopefully we'll circle back around in another episode. But um, I think we're going to move on. Uh, we'll take another quick, short break, and we will get into the uh, last bit of news outlets uh, or news bits that I wanted to just uh, make my comments on. And uh, I do appreciate uh, you all sticking around and listening to what I've had to say up to this point. All right. Well, here we go. We're going to get started into the last bit of the show here. We're going to look at, uh, I'm just going to look at a couple of news things, get about four or five news uh, items that are just unrelated to many things. And I just want to give a comment. I do appreciate your sticking around and, uh, and uh, listening to my opinion. Uh, if you have a comment or a question, um, please hit us up and I uh, would love to get that out. And I'll give that at the end of the show once again in just a couple of minutes. But first, I wanted to comment on this issue of um, the ouster of Liz Cheney from her position in the GOP. I, um, you know, identity politics is, is a horrible, is a horrible thing because this idea, and I get the whole idea of, of groups, obviously you want people loyal to your group and so forth. Um, but the fact is she was, Liz Cheney was voted in by a constituency who believed in what she had to say and believed in her leadership. She gets brought into, she's, uh, into the, into the house, house representatives or Senate, can't remember which. And, uh, she has a number three post in the GOP, you know, whatever. And, um, and yet because she was willing to 
vote for impeaching President Trump, the GOP, rest of the GOP, ousted her from her position. And I think it's quite despicable because we live in a democratic society that is run by the people, not by parties. But we have here, we have parties trying to force their way and establish what should be done and what, if you you don't toe the party line, you're not going to be part of this group. And, And there's a right way to do this. And there's an absolutely wrong way to do that. And um, because, you know, this can apply to whether you're in the church or whatnot. And um, and I think it's really a bad, a bad thing. You know, th- this is something that should be negotiated behind uh, closed doors in terms of talking to Liz Cheney and saying, look, you know, you're not following the party line. We don't appreciate this. Um, but you know, the thing is her defense can easily be, well, my, my constituency backs me. And so just letting her run out her term and then no longer offering her a position inside the GOP, uh, let her be a Republican, I guess, if that's what she wants to continue to be. But when the Republican party no longer represents her views, first of all, she need to have the integrity to stand up and say, you know what, this, this party no longer reflects my views uh, and my priorities and my values. So I'm going to step away from them. Um, and I'll run for reelection or, you know, something. I mean, there's ethical parts on both sides here, but I think it's absolutely despicable what the GOP has done to Liz Cheney. The second thing is uh, the U.S. pullout. We talked about this uh, earlier in the program, but uh, Pakistan says they do not want boots in the ground in their country, so there's no going to be nowhere trans, uh, no transplanting from Afghanistan into Pakistan, even though Pakistan has been, um, has been a uh, a supporter uh, to some degree. I don't know to what degree. Uh, they said that they will continue to fulfill their role as a facilitator. Uh, in the Middle East, but they do not want any boots in the ground in their country. And I don't blame them. I mean, you don't want a foreign power. I mean, we wouldn't want Chinese or Russia or any other country invading the United States and setting up shop just because they had a bone to pick or an ax to grind with some, you know, some group, you know, uh, in inside the United States, some so-called terrorist group uh, that might have attacked them or whatever. And so we need to be very careful um, about this kind of thing. And, um, and, uh, so I'm glad that the, uh, Pakistan has said no way to this kind of, um, this kind of, uh, this kind of thing. Uh, then we also were recently seeing a lot of the conflict between Israel and Palestine, um, and the Palestinians. This is not a new conflict. This has been going on as long as the United, as uh, Israel has been a nation for about 70 more than 70 years now. And, uh, and so, you know, there's lots that can be said. I'm, uh, I might include some of this more in our, in our next, uh, in our next episode, but, uh, you know, I, I do, I stand with Israel. Um, Israel was treated very poorly, uh, for centuries, no country of their own, although they had a country, they were a people. Um, you know, even Alex, I think his name is Alex Toynbee wrote the, uh, history of the, the history of the world, um, a book and a history book and t- about the philosophy of history and him and other historians have commented how it, it's improbable. It's impossible for Israel to continue to have been, they don't fit the mold of, uh, of the progression of, uh, of nations. And yet they are a people without a country up until 1948. 
And, um, and so I stand with Israel. I stand with Israel. I think uh, th- th- some solution does need to be, be, be worked out. Um, I don't see an impossibility of having an Israel with a, uh, an incorporated uh, Arab and Palestinian people that would just be part of the Israeli state and, uh, and, would, and, and could learn to live peaceably. Could, could learn to live peacefully. And maybe one of these episodes, I'd like to look at Israel a little bit uh, as a startup nation and some very fascinating things there. Um, and then uh, the last thing is just these, uh, hearing a lot of these pastors, uh, James Coates and Arthur, um, Arthur uh, Pulowski, and um, these guys are being arrested for holding church services. Um, you know, first of all, I have some Canadian friends and they were commenting on the fact that you know, people are finally realizing Canada, that Canada is not as free as they've always believed that they were. You know, they were like, well, we're just like America. And that's not the case. Um, they uh, do have uh, laws based on the common law of uh, the British common law and the, and the Bill of Rights uh, and so forth. But it is not the same. And, and they have a lot of erosion. Obviously, Jordan Peterson has talked about the uh, Bill C-16, the Compelled Speech Bill for the Transgenders uh, Movement, and so uh, for transgender people, and making sure people uh, use their proper pronouns, the the correct pronouns. And so, um, you know, with these Canadian pastors, they're, you know, being put in prison uh, against the law. My understanding is there's laws that, uh, that prevent this from happening, and yet they are doing it anyway. The RCMP, uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, is are are, are arresting people per jurisdictional uh, approval, and it's um it goes against laws that uh, these pastors are h- highlighting and saying, look, we have the papers, we have the laws, these are the sections, the title numbers. This is illegal what you're doing. They're trying to shut down churches because of the COVID pandemic. And, you know, I think we could say a lot about the COVID, uh, the, the COVID pandemic. Um, I think there's a lot of power grabbing and so forth. So without getting too much longer into the episode or into the show, um, I think I'm just going to drop it for, for there for now. But um, I think it is despicable uh, and quite harmful for these um for the Canadian government, the various you know local entities and and police, the RCMP, uh, to be arresting pastors who are trying to hold church services uh, to help people um, maintain um, just their spiritual life, um, you know, being able to meet with other believers, and you know, I think everybody needs is should make their own personal decisions and and not be a government decision of whether or not you go to church, but that. I decide based upon my health risks and the health risks of my family, whether or not we should go to church. And, you know, very reasonably, it might be a situation where we don't go to church because of certain health concerns. Or in this case, we are willing to take those risks because we're a healthy family and um, and so forth. So I think that's um, I think that's where I'm just going to leave it for today. Uh, I want freedom. Freedom is an essential. If we don't have freedom, we don't have anything, do we? And so I want to thank you for uh, listening to my opinions. Uh, if you have any comments, please hit us up at obliquity91 at gmail.com. Look at our page on the Flipboard. At some point, we'll try to find another outlet for you guys to read articles 
uh, or things that I might write in, in between the episodes. And I'd like to, and I'm going to put this out here as a way to keep me accountable, but I'd like to, instead of doing one solid show like I've done today where I break it up into little segments, uh, I want to make those segments over the course of the time between shows. So in the three to four weeks between shows and uh, be able to hit things that are that are pressing um, 15, 10 to 15 minutes uh, sections. And so if we did that, we'd have an hour long episode. Uh, if, if that's interesting to you, please let me know that as well. Whether you would uh, like an hour long format or the 30 minute format, uh, and we could figure out ways to do that. Or I could go through, make an hour long one and edit down to a 30 minute and have both available for those who are interested. But it'd be essentially the same show, just a shorter show versus a longer show. Appreciate you staying with me this long, and uh, we will catch you on the next episode.